Counting calories is out. Weight loss is an internal game, what I like to call weight release, and it all starts from within. You're listening to Confidence From Within, a podcast for women ready to feel good about their bodies, rediscover their confidence, and share their brilliance with the world. I am your host, Juliana Lehman, mind-body weight release expert and lifelong health seeker. And I am so pleased to have you here. Let's get started. You're listening to episode number 97 of Confidence From Within podcast. And as always, I am your host, Juliana Lehman. And in today's episode, my special guest, Giovanna, talks about love. And we talk about it in terms of relationship with ourselves, relationship with source, and relationship with others outside of us. She talks about looking at all those different areas and how to really heal the love connection you have with yourself, but those outside of you. So without any further ado, let me introduce you to Giovanna, founder of Love Well Coaching and the Love Well Method, author and recovering love addict, Giovanna Caposa's journey from love sick to love well is a journey so many of us can relate with. Part spiritual seeker, part solo traveler enthusiast, part geeked out of self-improvement and science junkie. Giovanna found comfort in exploring the globe on the search for herself. A lifetime of searching for the one only led her to discover the finding him one mean finding herself first. A certified coach and mind-body therapy facilitator, functional medicine practitioner, homeopath, yoga teacher, energy healer, Giovanna coaches women everywhere to heal everything that blocks love in their lives, love themselves, and the journey, not just a destination. Giovanna bought her first relationship self-help book at the age of 19, and she believes that happy endings aren't found but made. An experienced and adventurous traveler, Giovanna has lived on three continents and is a student of the world. Grab her new book in stores everywhere. Here is Giovanna. Welcome, Giovanna. I am very pleased to have you on the show today. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm actually really excited for this conversation. And I know we just kind of caught up a bit off offline and yes. uh, I'm excited to see where we go. Yes, me too. And to get us started, the first question, we're going to talk about love today, which I think in relationships, which is such a special and important topic. And I would love to get started by asking you this, what does confidence mean to you? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, the first thing that comes to mind when I hear that, it's so funny, is another word, which is ease. Oh. And to me, it means the ease of being with yourself, the be the ease of being by yourself, the ease of, you know, being in your body, um, the ease of being with your emotions and and you know, accepting like the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um <laughs> so yeah, confidence for me is is ease. It's it's just a way of being that um feels easy and light. And I think that that um that radiates to people and we yeah. call it confidence. Um, but it, but it's also something that, you know, you can, it's, it's kind of like one of those things where I used to always have clients, um, especially when I was like coaching coaches and they would say to me like, okay, um, I, I want to, you want you to help coach me 
to be confident to go, you know, do this thing like public speaking or whatever yes. it might be. And it's, it's kind of a catch 22 because you can't really coach anyone to be confident. You have to just go and do the thing. And then by doing the thing, you gain confidence. So it's also something that is, um, it's a verb. It's a, it's an action word. It's not really just a description. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That, that makes complete sense. And I find too, that something you said about ease, like the way I hear that in my, my brain is like that alignment, right? When you are uh-huh. in such alignment with who you are, like you said, comfortable in your own skin and, you know, just in the acceptance of self in a, in a deep way, I think confidence like literally red, radiates out of people. Uh, it's very much like a state of being that comes to action, right? So I, I love that you said that, that makes like so much sense. And I think it's a good segue to, to our conversation today. And when it comes to love and relationship, I know you have, you know, the three pillars, right. And how you help women sort of really understand and, you know, get to love those parts of themselves and others. So take us through like big picture first, like what are those three pillars uh, through which you teach love and relationship? Yeah. So, I mean, for me, there are my three pillars are the three main relationships that you have in your life. And I'm of the belief that everything is a relationship, which is why it's so funny for years, I resisted calling myself a relationship coach because, (laughs) you know, that it seems so narrow and it's only about romantic relationships, but it's really not. It's like I coach people around relationships to everything because you can have a relationship to your body. You can have a relationship to your finances. Yeah. You can have a relationship to other people, obviously, uh, but you can have a relationship to your job. Like, you know, there's that word relationship is so all encompassing. So the three main relationships, though, that I put a lot of focus on for, for myself personally, in terms of my own personal growth, but also, you know, in my clients, is the relationship what I call to self source and other. And self is you like, you know, what is your relationship to yourself? How do you treat yourself? How do you talk to yourself? You know, do you, are there, you know, traumas or inner child, you know, wounding or stuff around your, your mom or your dad that, you know, are unconsciously affecting how you relate to yourself and the relationship to source. I mean, really that's and whatever you want to call it. You can use the word God, universe, higher power, nature. It really doesn't matter, but a source is really something that you can put faith and trust in and a place where you can actually go to and find solace and rest. And that, like for a lot of people, that's just nature, right? That's just where, you know, where do you go in nature? For some of us, it's more spiritual. Um, But what is that relationship to this otherworldliness, right? Because we're all here. And even if you're like an atheist and you're listening to this, um, great, because you may have this, belief in in like the universe by way of scientific understanding and you know like all all of that and that's fine too because that is that's just i mean i have some of my best friends are atheists and their whole wow and wonder about you know planets and galaxies and <laughs> and just like how the body works like that state of wonder is also your source right so right. that source is is a primary relationship and how do you nurture that how do you tap into that how do you allow yourself um 
to, uh, you know, nurture that. And that also encompasses creativity because that could be source for people as well. Yeah. Um, and then the third one is obviously other. And my belief and what I teach is that if you don't have the first two kind of intact, <laughs> that chances are you're going to struggle with your relationship to other. So if you're struggling with your relationship to yourself, there's going to be stuff that comes up with the other. Um, same thing as if you're not tapped into your source, whether that's spiritual, creative, or otherwise, you know, you're, there's something that not the whole of you is not going to be coming to your other relationships. So self-source and other are really the three pillars. Um, it's really just a simple way to kind of, you know, wrap it up into a little package. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously each of those is very multidimensional, right? Like there's so many different pieces (laughs) of it. I love it. No, that's great. And when it comes to love of self, like one of the things that in this really comes from my studies and practice of Honoponopono, which is a Hawaiian, you know, tradition. And one of the things that the way that I understand and express that is everybody around us are mirrors and they're mirrors of parts of ourselves, right? So somebody that we love that's super supportive is mirroring something we love about ourselves in a relationship that's more chaotic or difficult, somebody is pointing out a part of us that we don't yet love yet. But I love the way you explain this because I also believe that it's almost like it, it is our show. And if we are, you know, not in congruency and loving those parts of us ourselves in our show, then it kind of gets reflected as much as, you know, all those little pieces in other people. So I kind of love that you know, description and how you organize in the three pillars. Um, yeah, it, it kind of like makes a lot of sense to my brain. So let's start with love of self and talking a little bit about that. Tell us a little bit about your journey and your story, you know, getting to a place in which you're actively working on loving yourself. So I have this, it's funny, I have like, it's probably one of, and I I don't have a very active YouTube channel, but this is one of my most commented on videos. (laughs) And I, it's, it's controversial in the sense that, um, I don't, can I, can I swear on the show? Is that, is it, is it, um, viewer discretion advice? Be you, be you. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, the video, I think it's called something like, you know, self, self self-love is bullshit. Right. And I say it that way on purpose because I really want to get people's attention. And what I mean by that is obviously we want to strive to improve the relationship with ourselves. And oftentimes we're fed this very new agey belief that, you know, the reason that you don't have what you have in your life, whether it's a relationship, the perfect body, the perfect finances, blah, 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 is because you don't love yourself. I always quote Dr. Phil, right? Like I remember seeing a show (laughs) once where he was like, you're fat because you don't love yourself. And it's like, really? (laughs) Like there's so much more involved in why someone struggles with their weight. And sometimes their weight is the reason they don't love themselves, right? So, you know, we we overly simplify this idea of self-love and we make it almost sound like, you know, you can't get to point B unless you do point A, which is perfect self-love. And the truth of that is a lie. So it is kind of BS because you can still not love yourself perfectly and still find the man or the woman of your dreams. You cannot love yourself perfectly and still, you know, get healthy, lose the weight, um, you know, start a business and do all these things. Um, and so we're kind of fed a little bit of a lie around self-love like this. It's, it's this sort of like new age pinnacle that we're all searching for. And we miss all the ways that we are loving ourselves every day. Even if, even if you're just really good at drinking water, guess what? That's the way that you're loving yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, so self-love is this, is this huge, 
huge concept, but also could be boiled down to a small concept. And when I talk about the relationship to self, I mean, gosh, that's like, if you could just focus on that, like in your whole life, and it for some people, that's going to be like, whoa, that's like really selfish, Giovanna. But it's not because if you could just focus on that and improving that and learning to you know, honor your boundaries, learning to listen to your inner voice and learning to trust and, and listen to your intuition. If you could, you know, work through childhood traumas, understand your mother wound and your child wound or your father wound, because we all have one, right? Yeah. Um, if we can do all this work on ourselves, it improves like everything, right? It, it'll Absolutely. improve every area of our life. So, I mean, that, that's why that's the first pillar. And it's the primary pillar. And often like I, you know, the way I show my pillars is more like a Venn diagram where the self and source kind of (laughs) blend into each other. And I think that's because, you know, you are your own source in a lot of ways, even if you're spiritual and you believe in a higher power. Well, guess what? You're housing that higher power. Yeah. Um, If you're not spiritual at all, then guess what? Like nature and your body and your, you know, the energy you produce and the way you process foods and like that's power, right? So those, those two really blend in together for that reason. And, you know, nurturing the relationship to yourself is really making self growth, um, and personal growth, a priority for yourself, however you do it, whether you're just buying, you know, a self-help book and working your think, taking yourself through a workbook or whether you're like, you know, investing and hiring a coach, uh, or going to therapy, et cetera, so that you're looking at all angles of yourself. So I hope that I don't know if that answered your question, but that's sort of my (laughs) view around working on the self. Absolutely. Hey there, are you a woman over 40 who wants to release excess weight, but keep self-sabotaging your progress? If you are tired of all the, all you need is more willpower advice, then I created just a free training for you. Set aside 60 minutes today and I promise you, it will be worth your time. I will go over the three main mindset shifts you need to make if you want to release weight for good, which does not rely on willpower. I will review to you why the strategies that worked in your 20s and 30s don't seem to work anymore. And I will also show you which hormones play a big role in weight release once we turn 40 and beyond. This is a value-packed masterclass, and it is for you if you want to discover my step-by-step system to help you regain your energy, get rid of cravings, and get back into alignment with your body. And of course, drop some pounds too. All you have to do is go to naturallyjoyous.ca slash free training to watch this on-demand masterclass or just send me a DM on Instagram for the link at naturally.joyous. So again, it is naturallyjoyous.ca slash free training. And I think one thing I wanted to sort of like point out as well that is that I think is so important when it comes, like when you mentioned about your um, YouTube video, right? The whole concept, I'm, I'm very aligned with that. And I think there's so much guilt that people carry, right? Because of what mm. we are taught that what self-love looks like. And that has never worked for me either <laughs> in the sense that I just feel that, you know, this is a little maybe 
strong and contradictory, but I feel like a lot of those very much like high positivity types of movements have made a lot of people sad <laughs> because mm. it doesn't really allow you to express all emotions without blaming and judging some of them for being good or bad, right? I love to talk about even things like judgment that everybody's like, oh, shouldn't judge. That's a judgment, <laughs> right? Or right. anger that, you know, people think, oh, anger is bad, but it's also such a propeller of energy to get you out of being stuck, right? So I could never really accept that anything is just good or bad, right? It's always a label that we put on. And I think it's true for self-love as well, that exactly what you said, like, I work on myself every day. I want to, I love to, and I do. I have probably my entire life journey. I'll continue to work on myself. And I have a wonderful relationship of 15, almost 16 years with my husband, right? I was nowhere near perfect when we found each other. And that's probably why we love each other, right? Because we're not trying to be this perfect edited version of us. We're just very transparent of each other, very honest. We see each other's flaws and we love each other for those flaws as well, right? So I love that permission for women that you don't have to have it all perfectly figured out, you know, like this crazy image of yourself before you can find love for self and others. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I call, I, I, I like to I label that like new age guilt, right? <laughs> new like, age guilt. Oh, I love the term. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you're right. I mean, there's so many ways and like, there's so many ways that you could be loving yourself and not loving yourself at the same time. And I think the most important way to have a good relationship with yourself is to introduce grace. It's yeah. like, okay, today wasn't a good day. Maybe I lost it on my kid or you know, on the driver in front of me, or maybe like I was like super judgy, you know, not living my, you know, my best spiritual self, but that's fine. Like we're a work in progress. And if we can give ourselves that grace, you know, I always say I have a PhD in being hard on myself. So I always catch <laughs> it in other people. And I always call bullshit on my clients when they're just being hard on themselves because, you know, and one of the things I introduce the most in my work is self-compassion because guess what? That's what I need to work on the most. Right. Mm, and, yeah. you know, because I work with a lot of really type A kind of high achieving <laughs> people who tend to be really hard on themselves, you know, they that's like their most hated homework. I think I see the most eye rolls when I'm introducing <laughs> grace and self-compassion because they're like, oh, it's like, just give me the five steps. Like, what are the five steps for me to get to my goal? <laughs> right. And it's like, well, you know, it's we have to take a little bit of an easier route. And I think people like, me that are like tend to be harder on ourselves like we hate the easy route like because it's or there's the simple route because it sounds too simple and therefore if it's too simple and we're not working hard then it's not you know it's not going to work it's, this is not what it is but sometimes that is truly the answer you know like a hundred percent so you're speaking uh -huh. to me directly uh, <laughs> <laughs> in terms of the type a the make it hard just because then it feels right Let's talk about that. Let's talk about self-compassion, not just for my personal self, but I know a lot of my listeners have, you know, similar struggles as well, right? And one of the things that um, my late now Honoponopono Master used to say is like, I wish it was more difficult because then more people will listen to me. I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, I can see that being the thing. So in from your perspective and for all the women that you've worked with over the years, why do you feel that us self-proclaimed type A personalities, <laughs> why do we want to make it hard? 
Like, what do we get out of making it hard? Oh my God, that's such a good question. Um, what do we get? Oh God, what do we get out of it? Like, I think honestly, it it boils down to a sense of significance. Mm. I think somewhere along the lines, we were sold this idea of, you know, insignificance or even powerlessness. And, you know, it's not okay for us to create ease in our life or our business or our body that we have to be struggling and it has to be hard and it has to be difficult because if we can do the difficult thing, then we'll be okay. Then, you know, then we're worthy of whatever the thing is. If it came to us easily, then, hey, you're not worthy of it because it came too easy. And I see this in myself. I see it in my clients. Um, It's just this idea. And I think part of it is societal, right? Like work hard, yeah. right? Like we, we, if you live in, in North America, especially, you know, or any big economic, you know, huge city, it's like work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard. And if you're not working hard, then you don't deserve what you get. So part of it is societal. I think, you know, part of it could be even like cultural. Like I, I definitely, I'm, I'm Italian. I'm raised by immigrant parents and, you know, there was no ease for immigrant parents in, in the <laughs> 40s and 50s when they came to yeah. Canada. So, you know, it's it's like, what what do you mean you're sitting down twiddling your thumbs and you're, you know, making money or, you know, being healthy or whatever, enjoying your life too much? It's like, wait, no, like you need to be working hard. You need to. So I think it gives us some sense of significance and purpose. And I think it translates to worthiness. It's like, okay, and deserving, right? Which is like, okay, if yeah. I, if I, if I struggled, then I deserve the outcome. And if it came too easy, then I don't. So I, I think that's a huge part of it, at least that I see. I'm sure there's other nuances in there, but I definitely see that as a huge part. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Absolutely. And I think like what you said, like there's so much praising for, so there's guilting people for not doing the work hard type of thing. And there's so much praise, right? That comes like, even as people say, uh, speak like, oh, he's such a hardworking person, right. you know? So you're like, oh yeah. Like, so I think in our minds, right? Like they're just built into kind of like, this is how it's done. This is the way it is. Right. And one of the things that I've worked, I know we do a lot of inner child work and one of the major pieces of my journey working with my inner child has really been on the, you know, the being the good girl that doesn't rock the boat, that get the good grades, that, you know, like pleases others before she says what she wants, right? And, you know, this dates back to when I was like two years of age, like memories of things like that. And I think there's so much of it that gets attached to that praise and, you know, if you're worthy and deserving, if you follow you know, the standards, right, that are set for you. And I think that relates so well with the whole self-love because like when you talk about worthiness, right? Like I know intellectually that we're worthy no matter what we do, but I think embodying that as truth is a very different story, right? (laughs) Yeah. Constantly seeking that almost like acceptance of our own, own worth and the concept of self-compassion, I find that very fascinating and very interesting. So define that for us, first of all. Yeah, I mean, self-compassion or grace, like self-grace, is is really just catching yourself when you're going into being hard on yourself and introducing, you know, an opposite thought or a more compassionate thought. And because I do a lot of inner child work with my clients and, you know, even with myself, 
it, it's, it, you would never, I always, you know, I always tell my clients, I'm like, if you had like a little girl or a little boy, like run up to you crying and they're like, I scraped my knee and I fell and they're, they're in pain and they're crying. Like chances are your problem. I mean, unless you're a sociopath or like a psychopath, you're not <laughs> going to be like, just suck it up and get over it. Right. Like you yeah. we wouldn't say that to a little child. We would comfort them. We would, you know, even if they made the mistake, even if they were careless, and even if they, you know, we said, be careful, don't do that, you're going to hurt yourself. You know, we, we would be compassionate to them. And we don't yeah. afford ourselves that same gift, right? So we're not compassionate to ourselves. So when we make a mistake, it's not like that's okay, you know, you're going to learn from this and let's sit down and let's like, elect, let's actually take the lessons. Like, what did you learn from this? And that's okay. And this is, you know, next time you're going to choose different. Like, we don't talk to ourselves like that. We're always like, you idiot. I can't believe you did that. You're a loser. Yeah. You know, this is the self-talk. And I mean, I still do it to myself. I'm still a work in progress, but it's like, you know, sometimes you catch it. Sometimes you're, you know, sometimes my, my husband's great because sometimes he'll be like, hey, like, I don't really like how you're talking to my, you know, my partner right now. And it's like, <laughs> I'm being a bit of an ass to my own self. I'm like, okay, you know, so, and, but the work is for us to kind of catch that and introduce something that is more helpful. And I, and that's why I really like inner child work, because if you can look at these pieces of yourself, these wounded, I failed, I'm bad you know, I, I made a mistake. How could I have done that? If you could look at those pieces, just like that little girl running up with a scraped knee or who'd made a mistake at school and got in trouble or whatever, and you can approach those pieces and those parts from a really compassionate, loving place, then that's how we can start to reverse, you know, the damage of all these years yeah. of being hard on ourselves and really berating ourselves. Absolutely. Oh, so good. And it's so, I love that point. And I think it is such a helpful strategy to really, you know, even like what I've done for myself is that I actually found a picture of myself when I was really young. And it's one of my favorite photos of me. And I actually made it my uh, cell phone lock cover. So I see her every day. And she's like big bangs because I used to have like really like straight hair when I was a child. And um, she's dressed in this like ballerina outfit because I did ballet as a young girl. So like very blush pink, like super cute, right? <laughs> like little girl, like maybe I was like three or four in that photo. And it's almost like a reminder for me every day of that little girl that's still inside of me, right? That like you said, I wouldn't yell at her sometimes like I, in my mind, yell at myself, my adult self. So I think it's such a wonderful strategy to really think, would you speak to a child like this, right? If they fell, if they stumbled or if they said something wrong or whatever it is, I think it's beautiful. And I think it helps people remember, right, who they are and be more kind and more compassionate. So thank you for that. I think it's really awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And if you want, like for people listening, if you want like a takeaway kind of activity, um, I will often have people find a picture of themselves from when they were young doesn't even have to be a picture you love. It could be even be a picture that reminds you of like a sad time in your life. That's okay. And like buy a journal, make it beautiful, make it something that you, you're motivated to write in and put that picture on the front and have that be your inner child journal where all mm. you do is communicate with him or her. All you do is have the conversation because ultimately, um, you know, our job is to reparent 
this child within and that inner child is really just like stuck, right? They're stuck at that, whatever the age is that you were traumatized. And, you know, PS trauma doesn't have to be a war or, you know, rape or assault um, or an abusive household. Like you can have trauma. I remember I had a patient once when I was in my clinical practice we were working together for some time. And after, you know, several sessions, um, doing some deeper work, it came up that she had a memory of her mom ripping her favorite little dolly out of her hands and throwing it into the incinerator of her apartment building. Mm. And, you know, as an adult, you're like, well, like I'm over that now. Like, I mean, you know, I'm 30, 40, 50, like, why would that bother me? But that experience to that, you know, five, six or seven year old at that time registered as a trauma and a trauma is anything that overwhelms the nervous system. Mm-hmm. So if you can imagine that little girl that was overwhelming to her nervous system and she didn't know how to cope and she didn't know how to deal with it. And that creates like a little skip on the record, right? Nice. It's a, sc- a scratch on the record. And if we don't address those little scratches, then the record keeps skipping our whole life. <laughs> And, you know, we have, and the song is weird and it's wonky and how come things aren't working and how come I can't do this? And what's my block with whatever, my body, my weight, my finances, my partner. And and it's this unconscious way that those little traumas are kind of in the driver's seat of our life. And so, you know, our job is to be aware of when something's not working and say, okay, let me have the courage here. Let me have the, you know, the curiosity, right? Because it's not about, again, it's not about self-judgment. It's not about, oh God, I'm broken and I have to fix myself. No, no. It's like, let me be curious. Like, hmm, wonder where that came from. Like, I wonder what that's about. And it's very, it's difficult to sometimes do this on your own, which is why we hire therapists and coaches, right? (laughs) Yes. Because we need the guide, but that's where you start. And that's how you can kind of iron out all those scratches in the record so that, you know, the song, which is your life, starts to play smoothly and and beautifully. So, yeah, all of this is kind of part and parcel of, of that learning to live your best life. Yeah, that's amazing. I love the definition of trauma, actually, of all those things that overwhelms the nervous system. Because um, I know sometimes people imagine trauma being just more of those, you know, bigger things, right? That he said, but a smaller instant may have such a big consequence for our nervous system. So I think that's so special. And I really love Giovanna, the idea of the inner child journal. Uh, I will be definitely taking on that suggestion <laughs> uh, and doing something more specific for that. Cause right now my journals are just like all things mixed in, but I think it's so special to have that little time you take every day to like you said like to reparent that inner child so i think it's so beautiful um something else came up as you're saying that i wanted to ask for you to sort of go a little deeper into earlier when we're talking about worthiness and deservingness and struggle one of the things i have identified in a lot of my clients especially the ones that had early childhood memories that has resulted in a difficult relationship with food, a difficult relationship with their bodies, you know, for many, many years after. Sometimes I feel that we identify with the struggle, like the struggle becomes almost like an identity, right? Would you agree with that? And yes or no, it doesn't Uh, matter. (laughs) And then- Yeah, no, I do. Like the struggle you're saying for weight loss in your case with your clients? For weight loss, it could be relationships with 
themselves or their bodies or partners, but yeah. it's um, or even money, right? In some cases, but it's almost like the struggle becomes the familiar, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about that. If somebody is experiencing something like very much a deep stuckness in a relationship with something, like you said at the beginning, it could be self, money, you know, career and all those things. How do we start to break free from that identification with I am the person that struggles with X? Yeah, that's a real, it's a huge question, right? Because it can, if you're, I remember um, many years ago, I went on my own weight loss journey. I'm somebody that like struggled my whole life with my weight. And I knew that before I was going to go on this journey that I had to get my mindset right. <laughs> I had never yes. gone on a diet ever <laughs> in my life. Um, I was a gym junkie in my 20s, but I never really went on a diet diet per se. But I, I wanted to start this plan and I knew I needed to address the mindset. And so um, one of the major things that came up for me at the time was that I really identified as being this person who struggles with my weight. Like, that's just who I am. That's just who I am. I've always been that person and that's who I am. Right. And even now yeah. I just said to you, I said, I'm someone who has struggled with her weight her whole life. Right. So <laughs> yes. that can be an identity that you really take on. And, and like you said, it could be around, you know, I'm the person that always sucks at saving money or whatever the, the struggle is. Right. Or I can't get my relationships right. So, you know, I think it is really a, a really key thing to identify is, you know, are you coming from a place of personally saying this is who you are? And are you missing the bigger who you are, right? Because that's not who you are. That might be a circumstance. That might be something that genetically might be true for you when it comes, let's say, to weight. Mm -hmm. um, but that isn't who you really are. And, and that really goes to the discovery when I you know, talk about source is like that pillar is discovering who you really are, right? You're not the body. You're not your butt. <laughs> you're not your relationship. <laughs> You're not the money in your bank account. Like you're none of these things. Who are you really, right? So yeah. I do think that we falsely identify with a lot of things in this world. I think that's part of the human condition. And that's one of the primary reasons I think we're here is to, you know, see it and then not identify with it. Um, and it's it's really something that it's like you said this earlier, where you can conceptualize it like, oh yeah, I think I'm identifying with being that person who always struggles with whatever food or their waiter. But when you actually have a visceral aha of like, oh my God, that I am more than this. Like, this is not who I am. This is just a piece of yeah. maybe what I have, you know, struggled with or has been a challenge. But at my core, this is not who I am. And, and it, that takes some work, right? That takes some really yeah. teething apart and being gentle again, compassionate and giving yourself grace with, this may have been your reality for whatever, 40 years, 50 years, 60 <laughs> years or less, but it's not who you are, right? Um, yeah. And a key example of this, I'll have to tell you, is at the time that I started this, I had lost 70 pounds and I was um, going to stores to buy new clothes yeah. and I was picking mm -hmm. up my old size. And I remember being in a store once and the sales lady came up to me and she was like, do you need help with a size? And I said, oh, no, I think I have what I need. And she goes, is this for you? And I said, yes. And she goes, this is these are this is not going to fit you. These are too big. And I go, what do you mean? And I, I looked at them and I was like, 
oh my God, I forgot I'm in a smaller body. And uh, that goes to show how that identity can be so entrenched, right? Absolutely. That there's a, a fear of letting it go because if, and that's one of the primary things I had to do at the time was if, if I let go of being this version of myself who always struggles with this and who never is happy in love or who always struggles with her bank account, if I let go of her, I might, I, I might hate her. She might make my life a miserable hell. Mm-hmm. But if I let go of her, who am I going to be on the other side? Yes. And I think that's the scariest proposition for people. And that's one of the the biggest places we can support our clients, I think, because that's where when they can get a real idea of who you can be without this, um, that doesn't feel scary. That's, I think, when the massive shift can happen. 100 million percent. Sorry, mathematicians. <laughs> I just made a new number. Yeah, it's okay. Honestly. We'll make it up. <laughs> <laughs> like, absolutely true. And I think that's probably like, like everything you said is so amazing. There's so many golden nuggets, but the one thing that really stood up to me, and it's probably why I think I am in the quotations weight loss space, even though I redefine that as weight release, because I think weight loss doesn't fit all the pieces that I think are involved. But I think it's very much what he said, which is for me, what weight loss really represents is that embodying the release of the struggle the release of the old identity, right? But I think what is so important is what you said, that when we let go of that version of us, and it could even be the person that struggles with money, the relationship doesn't have to be just weight, of course. It is so terrifying, right? Because our minds and you know our entire system is designed for survival and it's scary, things we don't know and don't understand, right? The familiar is a lot more comforting. Even when you have the physical shift in the body, your mind is still, you know, sort of behaving like you were the version before, which is so fascinating. And thank you so much for sharing that. And I think it's, you, you hit it like so perfectly. It is, who am I if I let her go? And that is terrifying for most people. Yeah. Well, and I'll add something else to that, um, Juliana, because you work with perimenopause and menopause, which is what my specialty was for years. Um, (laughs) And I guess it is now again, because I'm middle-aged, but more for personal, on a personal level. Um, I'll add something to that is that, you know, around this age, um, you know, a lot of times people describe perimenopause and menopause as a second puberty. And we all know how crazy our hormones get at puberty, right? (laughs) So, But one other thing that's also true about that is that a lot of suppressed and repressed emotions Mm -hmm. and even traumas come up at this time. And it doesn't help that our hormones are now all over the place and we can't cope with them. And I think that's nature's way of saying, okay, girl, you're done bottling this crap up. Yes. I'm going <laughs> to, you know what, you're going to have a dip in hormone, uh, estrogen and progesterone, and you're going to feel crazy this month. And we sometimes will automatically say, oh my God, like, give me the bioidenticals. I need more of that, or I need to change my diet. And we go straight to the external things. But one of the things that's such a huge gift at this time of life is that we're given, however uncomfortable it is, and I know, girls, I'm, I'm, I'm going through it myself sometimes, we're given the opportunity to address all of that stuff that yeah. we have coped with, right? Air quotes, coped yeah. with, and we have bottled up and just, you know, stiff upper lip and gone on with our lives. And and we're to whatever degree you have done that <laughs> is, is the degree at which it's going to come up now. And so these false identities that we just talked about 
they really can come crumbling down around this time, you know, between your, you know, for well, some women, we know perimenopause starts at 35, but, you know, within that late 30s, early 40s to mid 40s and on is when we have the opportunity to not just support ourselves physically in a different way, but actually to, you know, uncover a lot of this stuff, right? That's been blocking yeah. us. Love it. Thank you so much, Fred, and that. That is so, so true and so important. And to sort of tie our conversation, you know, the, the final big question I have for you, I have, I know you have a wonderful new book. So tell us a little bit about Love Well and a little bit to how people can find you. Absolutely. So Love Well, Confessions of a Lovesick Woman is, it's it's sort of, it's a self, a relationship self-help book disguised as a memoir. Um, so it's my story. Um, it's a bit of a travel memoir. So if you loved Eat, Pray, Love and you loved Sex in the City, you'll probably love this book. I love it. <laughs> um, it's my story of how I navigated um, love addiction. And love addiction is this really huge thing. Thing. I mean, it, it exists on a spectrum just like food addiction does. Um, but love addiction could be anywhere from, you know, you're a highly functional, successful person and you're really struggling with your relationships and maybe you keep, you know, sabotaging and you're stuck in codependence and anxious attachment um, patterns all the way to like fatal attraction, boiling bunnies, right? So it has a huge spectrum, but I talk about it and I give it the, you know, the cheeky term of being lovesick. And we've all heard of the lovesick teenage girl. And sometimes that <laughs> lovesick teenage girl may grow up chronologically, but she doesn't grow up in her uh, love life. And I, I, I talk a lot about inner child stuff. Um, I really just chronicle my journey through um, a tumultuous love life leading to, you know, a healthy relationship to myself and ultimately finding uh, my partner who I have now. So it's a really, really great book, um, you know, for lots of reasons. Of course, I'm biased. It's my book. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, it's on sale pretty much everywhere you can buy books. It's it's available globally around the world. Um, you can also go to my website, lovewell.coach, and you can uh, click on the book link there and find all the ways in which to purchase the book. Um, and that is where you can find me. You can uh, go there again, lovewell.coach, www.lovewell.coach. Um, is where you can find me to, you know, if you have any questions from this episode, I always, every time I do a podcast interview, I always encourage people to reach out, to email me if they have questions from the episode or they're curious about something. Um, and that's also where you can book a complimentary uh, coaching experience with me as well. And I'm all over social media, but the place that I love to hang out the most is Instagram. And that is lovewell underscore coach is the Instagram handle. So those are the places that you can find me. That's wonderful. And I'll make sure we put all the links below in the show notes to make it super easy for people to click and get your amazing book. Thank you so much, Giovanna, for your time. This is such a special conversation. Like I loved it. And so many times I've found you're really speaking directly to me as well. <laughs> uh, well, you know, we do the work that we most need for ourselves, right? So I every I time, girl. yes. <laughs> So thank you so much for your time again. It has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to Confidence From Within. If you enjoyed this episode, take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram at naturally.joyous and I will be sure to tag you back. 
I would also love for you to leave us a review on iTunes so you can help us support our show. Stay healthy and happy, and until next time.